It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the, to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, Anzo, yes! Touchdown, they did it! Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Uh, For those who may be tuning in, hoping to hear Skyview basketball, uh, it's not not happening today. Uh, We will have Skyview hoops tomorrow. Uh, That game uh, will be here on the fan tomorrow. Uh, Our friends down in southern Utah will be calling the play-by-play. Devin Dixon We'll be on the call. We'll also have a video component that you can see on Cash Valley Daily. I know there are multiple teams down south in tournaments uh, this weekend for Skyview, Ridgeline, and Mountain Crest. Unfortunately, only one of those games, there's like nine uh, total games going on down there, but we were only going to be able to get one broadcast, uh, and that's the one tomorrow at 4 o'clock here on this station when Skyview takes on Desert Hills, that game being played at Pineview. But um, Skyview taking on Cedar today. They'll face Pineview on Saturday. Uh, Ridgeline is down there taking on Desert Hills as we speak. Uh, They play Pineview tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. No, it's tomorrow night. And then they play Cedar on Saturday. Then Mountain Crest, they're playing Pineview tonight. They play Cedar tomorrow and then Desert Hills on Saturday. So uh, kind of a north-south classic uh, that's going on down there. But uh, we wish we could get you bring more games to you, but uh, unfortunately just the one tomorrow, which also means uh, it's our only show for us uh, to finish out the week here on The Fan. Yeah, it'll, high school basketball is causing a mess around here. We're trying to get everything <laughs> figured out. It's so convoluted. In a lot of ways. It's just because there's so many games, so many different tournaments. They're all over the place. Um, and it's just crazy. It, it's messing me up. You know, I'm, I'm, we're, again, I'm supposed to be doing Logan play-by-play. We're three games in, or they're going to play their third game tonight. First game, I'll finally get to call, finally get to see the team I'm supposed to be the voice for tomorrow is they, uh, they'll travel to Woods Cross. So, Yeah, so... While we don't have, like, I went through some of the games that we won't be able to have today. There are some games that we will have. Uh, Bear River, they're hosting their own tournament. Uh, they'll be taking on North San Pete tonight. Uh, they, uh, they they faced Morgan uh, yesterday. Uh, they'll have North San Pete tonight. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, Logan is uh, taking on Spanish Fork. Uh, they're in the Grizzly Den. That'll be on our sister station, KVNU. Uh, the Bear River game, by the way, on 104.9, the ranch in Box Harbor County. So we will have some high school hoops going on tonight, um, you know, covering some of these teams. And then uh, a couple games tomorrow, uh, it'll be Bear River versus Union. In the later game, we'll have the Skyview Desert Hills game here at 4. 
Uh, and then Green Canyon will be back at it again versus Twin Falls, trying to bounce back after really struggling last night against Juan Diego. And uh, you'll have the game for Logan at Woods Cross. So we'll, we'll be picking up a couple more games uh, between tonight and tomorrow. You know, as things keep going, we'll talk more about, uh, you know, how these teams are doing early on. It's hard to really get a good sense of each team because some of these uh, teams are playing really tough schedules and others aren't playing super tough schedules. So I think I think Bear River Mountain Crest and Logan are kind of on the softer end of the schedule. But Skyview and Ridgeline and uh, I can't remember Green Canyon, but I know Skyview and Ridgeline, um, they're going to be playing very difficult schedules. So it's kind of like in football this year where it was actually pretty similar where Logan and Mountain Crest and Bear River weren't playing very hard schedules. But Green Canyon, Ridgeline, and Skyview all were. Now, some ended up, you know, Green Canyon ended up, they played poorly in non-region. They played poorly in region. But, you know, Ridgeline and Skyview bounced back from rough starts Mm -hmm. and ended up being the top two teams in region. Yeah, that's true. So um, it's kind of an interesting start uh, as uh, getting high school hoops underway. Um, And uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on it and update you on what the schedule looks like for us in trying to bring those games to you. Um, but uh, as it stands, um, you know, a couple games tonight on the schedule with Bear River and Logan. And then uh, we got, what, like three or four games tomorrow. So a uh, busy day for high school hoops tomorrow. Uh, speaking of sports, high school sports, uh, we teased this yesterday, uh, but it came out this morning, the all-region team, uh, for high school football. The all-Region 11 football team was released this morning. Now, this was, uh, I have to remind people, this is based on what was submitted from our panel of judges. Uh, those who, so the, the people involved in this are, uh, are the, the broadcast crews who go out to call play-by-play for all the Region 11 teams. And they submit their ballots they get scored uh, and, um, and tallied and then make sure everything adds up right, and then we release it. Um, and uh, usually at about this time is when that gets released. Besides an all-region first team and second team, we also recognize an overall MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and coach of the year. Now, I understand that the Region 11 coaches had one of their own, and what region, what our Cash Valley Media Group put together, it's different than what the coaches put together, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, the coaches certainly have their own, uh, their own opinion, and certainly uh, defer to their opinion in some cases. I had difficulty uh, selecting offensive linemen because they weren't guys that I paid a whole lot of attention to as a broadcaster. Uh, I have to watch where the ball goes, and I don't get to. I don't get to follow the offensive linemen. So it was a little difficult for me. I had to defer to some other people's opinions and try and piece that together. But I also got to see a lot of these you know, skill position players, so I certainly have my own opinions. Um, and we're all human. We're all subject to our opinions and biases. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, though. Listening to the way you described the uh, 
the whole process. Sounds like you disagree with what happened. <laughs> like you're trying to, no. you're trying to soften the blows. Like okay, it's like oh, I, I completely disagree with every single one of these picks. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I mean, sometimes we get uh, a, a crew who it, their their ballot is very heavy to the school that they that they call games for oh yeah mine was totally that way like <laughs> and 100 percent. i, I mean, was biased I, toward logan i understand that's the team you're most familiar with but the intent is to try to be fair uh and uh, objective with all the games that you called not just the team that you followed uh for every game but nonetheless in the process it kind of filters out when we have uh there's a, a good number of people who participate so you know the the good players tend to still get recognized no matter what. But in the end, the overall MVP goes to Brevin Egbert, the running back from Skyview. And uh, really interesting, Rex Davis, he was a color analyst for the Bobcats, and and he makes a really good point when talking about why Brevin Egbert may have been selected, that looking at the the uh, the, the candidates this year for who would have been an overall MVP – this was a year that had a lot of really good running backs in Region 11. Uh, Brevin Egbert was just really, really consistent and dynamic for Skyview. And not just running the ball, but also catching the ball out of the backfield. Just a really dynamic player for the Bobcats and ultimately led to him being selected overall as the MVP for Region 11. Yeah, certainly deserving. And, I mean, when I was looking at who I would vote for MVP, I th- there wasn't a standout candidate, like there was an argument for several players. In fact, I'm not 100 percent sure if I voted for Egbert or Will Ripstein or Ripstein. I don't know how to say his last name. I think it was between those two is who I was deciding. Um, and honestly, I'd have to go back and look at my own ballot to remember who I chose. But yeah, and it was between running backs because those were probably the two biggest performers because there weren't really many good quarterbacks. Um, no, because we we've had some guys who come through here. And maybe they're not the best of throwers, but they're usually dynamic players, and they they you know lead the offense. But this year was the year of the running back in Region 11, where teams ran the ball a lot and sometimes had two or three different running backs they could go to uh, to get yards on the ground. Yeah, and you are right. I mean, it was we've had years where it's it's pretty clear. Ike Larson, he was the clear MVP. Um, Caden Cox, he was the clear MVP. Um, you know, but this year, yeah, it was there were a lot of candidates. Uh, and uh, so it was interesting to see you know differing opinions as to who was the overall MVP. But in the end, you know, Brevin Egbert you know, found the end zone uh, a bunch, almost a thousand yard rusher, which is not an easy thing to do at the high school level. Um, and um, you know really stood out with what he did. Uh, he was recognized as a, one of our player of the week recognitions that we started this week. They had a 200-yard game, found the end zone four times in Skyview's game against Mountain Crest. So uh, outstanding season from Brevin Egbert. But you're right. I mean, there were a lot of quality candidates who could have been chosen uh, as the overall MVP. Yeah, I'm trying to track down my ballot I sent to you so I can be sure. I know several of my selections. I know I I voted for Andrew Thornley for a couple different things, and he was certainly a – uh, big impact. I don't know. Do you want to? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, to... he was definitely one of the candidates, but he was ultimately chosen as the offensive player of the year. Yeah, and I didn't vote only for MVP. I think it certainly there was 
a couple of bigger players. But I was actually kind of surprised that Andrew Thornley was the offensive player of the year because um, I voted for him, but I thought he was you know kind of underrated and kind of a hidden gem in Logan. But clearly he got noticed by the voters, uh, and he did he did a very good job in Logan. They they weren't really a passing offense. They they ran the ball. And they sometimes struggle on offense. You know, they had a quarterback who was inconsistent at times. But whenever they went to Andrew Thornley, it seemed like good things always happened. Yeah, somebody who was one of the, the top receivers in all of 4A. Granted, you, know, you have to kind of take some of these stats with a little bit of a grain of salt just because sometimes it's not really consistent with, um, uh, you know, how the, that – that information gets passed along either to Max Preps or, or others. But based on the criteria that I was able to find and that was shared with me, um, here, here was a guy that was not only the top receiver in Region 11, but he was one of the top receivers in all of 4A. Just a really dynamic uh, wide receiver. Found the end zone six times. Um, nearly a 1,000-yard uh, receiving season for him. So just a solid wide receiver for Logan High. Yeah, it was yeah more than solid. It was dynamic. That was that's really the best word to describe him. Um, one of the faster players in Region Eleven, probably, and he's able to you know burn defenses. It was just a question of could you get the ball in his hands? Because when you did, their passing offense worked. He basically was their passing <laughs> offense. Granted, that that's not giving enough credit to some other guys on that team, especially like Reed Olson. Um, you know, there were there were other decent players in that passing attack, but Andrew Thornley was like. 80% of their passing attack. Uh, so it takes us to the defensive player of the year for Region 11, and that went to Carson Olson. Uh, kind of like some of these other positions, there were a lot of quality candidates, um, and there were no real runaways. Uh, but it's not to, to take anything away from Olson for winning this. Uh, it's just that there were a lot of really good players who stood out, and um, you know Olson was the anchor of a really stout Mountain Crest defense that really made it tough for opposing teams to move the ball on them. And um, one of the uh, the leading tacklers in all of 4A, not just in Region 11, but all of the 4, 4A classification. Yeah, he was a really good player. Um, I remember one, uh, I think he ended up being nominated for Player of the Week one week, and that was when he played uh, Logan. So I was calling that game, and this dude actually was, he was his two-way impact that uh, helped get him nominated because he had a bunch of tackles, tackles for loss, and he was a factor in the run game. But obviously his, his you know efforts on defense were probably a little more noticeable than his efforts in the run game where he was solid but not quite as good as some of the other guys. Because right, sometimes they split carries. There were other, yeah. other backs for Mountain Crest. Yeah, the Mountain Crest backfield was probably one of the most split backfields in the region. Um, but obviously Carson Olsen, very good defensive player. Uh, and certainly one of the things that um, I, I got from John Olson, I don't know that they're, that they're related, but um, John Olson is a color analyst for the Mustangs on 107.7 KLZX. Uh, interesting, one of his notes that he passed along to me is just how quickly uh, Carson Olson was able to kind of see what was happening and adjust and, and make a quick read and understand where the play was going and be there to make a play. Uh, so that's a big part of uh, being a skilled linebacker. Uh, so he certainly showed up and uh, and, and helped his team. And a, and a surprising season for, for Mountain Crest, and a large part of it was because of this very stingy defense. Yeah, it's something they've 
generally been good at, but this year they were able to have a good defense and combine it with a bit of offense. Uh, they had several games where they were just able to be better on offense and in the playoffs. You know, there are times where they struggled on offense and couldn't score, and that was a big reason why they lost as many as they did. But in enough games, they found enough offense. And so if they build on that, they can be one of the best teams in 4A. They just got to find that offense somewhere because this Mountain Crest program is always good at defense. Like, just no matter what, they're good at defense. Just I think the last time they were really good uh, as a team, they also had really good offense. But it hasn't happened for four or five years. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, but that leads us to the coach of the year, which no real surprise here. While there were many candidates for some of these other player positions and, and individual honors, it was a runaway for coach of the year, and that went to Ryan Visser. Uh, the head coach at Mountain Crest uh, took a team that uh, won two games two years ago, only won two games last year. Uh, this is their third head coach in as many seasons, and got the, that team to buy in to his philosophy and what he was trying to do and turned around a very proud program that had been struggling and had a successful run through the regular season, uh, picked up an upset victory on the road in the playoffs and made it all the way to the semifinals in the 4A playoffs. Yeah, I think I, I ended up going with Bart Bowen because I think I was biased. But honestly, the argument for Visser to be coach of the year is rock solid. Uh, just for all the reasons you just said. I think I think Bowen did an incredibly good job with what he had. You know, his team was way better than they probably should have been. Um, but he got, you know, you know, he got the most out of that squad. Um Visser did the same and he had better results. And that's why I think, you know, it's it's hard to vote against him and again I, I probably did because I was biased. But he very much deserves this for what he's done with Mountain Crest. And if he can continue this for the next few years, then Mountain Crest is going to be right up there with Skyview and Ridgeline at the top of this region. Yeah, watch out for the Mustangs. There's definitely uh, some momentum going, building in that program right now. And to give myself a nice, hearty pat on the back, remember what I said before the season, that Mountain Crest could be one of the biggest surprises? I was right. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> there they are. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that – that Mountain Crest team, uh, defensively, uh, they um, you know only gave up uh, well they gave up two touchdowns or less seven times uh, over the season. Uh, they ended up winning eight games compared to the the four combined in <laughs> the two years uh, combined uh, before that. So big turnaround uh, for Mountain Crest and uh, deservedly so for Coach Ryan Visser, uh, the runaway, not unanimous, but runaway favorite uh, to win. Uh, well, not favorite. He was a runaway uh, vote-getter for Coach of the Year for Region 11 football. Was I the only one who didn't vote for him? Uh, yes, you were the only one who did not <laughs> give a vote to Coach Ryan Visser. Uh, that's fine. I mean, there's... There I had a reason to vote Bart Bowen, okay? Yes. I probably just didn't think about it hard enough. <laughs> But I was really impressed by the coaching job he did. But I, I will concede Visser probably does deserve it more in the end. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like too, uh, enough of the right people felt the same way you did. The report that uh, Bart Bowen has been let go at Logan High. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's really too bad. I mean, that is a really challenging 
coaching job to have. Uh, I understand that there were probably circumstances beyond just football that may have led to his dismissal. Um, but um, again, Logan High trying to find find their way and just have not. I'm not, honestly have not been the same since Coach Favero stepped away. Yeah, it's you know I can praise Bowen for getting the most out of his team, but this is a results based business, and he didn't really get results. He did what he could, in my opinion, but I think he's had losing seasons most every year he was with the program, and if that's what you're doing, you eventually get let go, along with some of the other there were off-the-field um, issues that cropped up this year, so that can just make it incredibly hard. Uh, to see the rest of the first team and second team, we're not going to go through and name all of the players. That's you don't a, want to name them all? It's a long list. <laughs> go through it really quick. <laughs> and all of the honorable mentions. But I uh, encourage you to go check it out, cashvalleydaily.com. The Cash Valley Media Group All-Region 11 football team announced uh, this morning, along with the overall MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. You can go see the full list Debate, disagree, agree. Uh, it is different from what the coaches put together. There are some variances there. Um, I know that um, you know, sometimes the coaches will have uh, differing uh, kind of um, – what's the word I'm trying to look for? Differing opinions? Different uh, uh, viewpoints? Opinions, but agendas as to who they select uh, and who they vote for. But um, – not that uh, our guys don't have agendas here with following the teams that they follow. I don't have an agenda. I just have a bias. <laughs> that's true. Let's keep the terminology straight here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so go check it out, cashvalleydaily.com, for the all-Region 11 football team. It's back. Jarek's Fine Jewelry in Logan is having our annual Pick a Pearl event. If you've attended this in the past, you know how much fun we have. And if you haven't come before, you don't want to miss this exciting event. For only $10, pick your oyster, open it that day, or save it for that stocking stuffer surprise. Mark your calendar Friday and Saturday, December 9th and 10th. Pick a pearl at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Look for the bright green cars. Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Make it special. Make it Jarek's. Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install for Vermont casting units that include stoves, venting, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a steep and rocky mountain climb. This is Lance Zollinger, president at Cash Valley Bank. To conquer the mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cash Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. 
Cycles and Sleds is hosting a huge three-day grand opening and snow show at their new location this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Stop by and see the brand new showroom at 3475 North Highway 91 in Hyde Park. There will be big discounts on motocross gear and snow gear during the grand opening. The new location means better selection on gear and additional service bays. That's the Cycles and Sleds grand opening snow show Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Find out more online at cyclesandsleds.com. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Uh, again, all-region team. You can go check it out on CashValleyDaily.com to go see who uh, who got overall MVP, coach of the year, player of the year, uh, offensive player, I mean defensive player, first team, second team, honorable mentions. Uh, a couple texts coming through on our full court press text line. If you want to weigh in, 435-339-0321. 2947 texting in. What happened with Coach Ander at Green Canyon? I know they struggled lately. Was he let go? Wasn't it Coach Ander who led Skyview to some of its best seasons before Green Canyon? Yeah, he just wasn't getting results at Green Canyon, I think. He was, you know, riding on what was a lot of success at Skyview, and there was an assumption he was going to be able to do that at Green Canyon, but he uh, wasn't able to do with Green Canyon what Ridgeline kind of did to Mountain Crest, where it was drag all of the talent over to the new school. Uh, he wasn't quite able to do that. And he just struggled. Um, they uh, always were known to be a, a, a solid defensive team. Yeah. But there are always questions about what could they do offensively. And I think the biggest thing is this year, that was a team with all the expectations based on who was returning and what talent they had available to them. And it didn't come close to meeting those expectations. Yeah. And injuries played a part in that. But even, I mean, with the, the way they played, I have a hard time thinking that they would have been significantly better if those players hadn't been injured. They just underperformed. And there can be a lot of different reasons for that. I'm not going to speculate, but it's just they underperformed. It's been a while since Anders gotten results, and so they finally feel like it was. Uh, time to go in a different direction, and they are. So we're going to have a couple new uh, head coaches. I don't know, maybe think Andrew makes his way to Logan. I don't know. <laughs> There's a, a lot of these coaches tend to just bounce between schools. It's it's happened. Um, Chris Howell I, was at uh, Ridgeline before he went to Skyview. Yeah, he was at Ridgeline, and, and uh, yeah, we've seen guys, I think. Uh, Bowen was on, uh, I think, Chris Wise's staff, wasn't he, over at. Uh, ever in uh, Tree Mountain at Bear River? I'm not terribly familiar. I know, I think there was one of the Van Leeuwens. I think he was a coach at Logan, and then I think he went to Ridgeline. Yeah, it's true. So they, they bounce around uh, these schools a lot. So we'll see how it goes. Vander wants to keep coaching in, in the Valley. Don't think Logan would turn him down. But Logan may want to go somewhere else. Again, it's, there's a lot that goes into hiring coaches. Right, that's true. 
4474 texting in. I had other things going on while listening to your show was, I'm going to assume that means uh, Bowen let go at Logan. Uh, Yes, Coach Bart Bowen was let go. Yeah. Yeah, so... Couple of couple of coaching vacancies, and we'll we'll see how it goes for uh, for next year. We'll see. Green Green Canyon seems to have decent prospects. Logan is always continually struggling trying to get people involved in that football program, whereas they've done a little bit better in, in some other sports. Basketball are starting off pretty good so far. Yeah, yeah, solid start for the basketball team. Uh, five three three eight. Texting in, now we need an Aggie football postseason top 20 list. Yeah, we could probably do a top 20 Aggies of the season. Or top 25, I guess. Yeah, we did a top 25 before the season. It would probably be worth doing a top 25 after because it would look very different. Yes, yes it would. (laughs) The number one player... Uh, only made it through a few games and did not play like a number one player. Yeah, I think I know who we have. I don't think I know who would be the number one player. It was the guy who I think was number two. <laughs> he he lived up to his billing. Yes, yes. Others he did. did not. But I think most of that top ten lived up to you know. Um, pretty close. There's some that didn't. There's some that didn't. Most I'd of them still make it on the list, but I don't know if they'd be top ten. I know Ike Larson would be up there. Uh, he, he wasn't. He, was he wasn't even on the list. I, yeah, I don't think he got a single vote. Uh, I don't know if Terrell Vaughn or Terrell Vaughn was he on the top twenty-five? I think he was in the back end of the top twenty-five, or at least received votes. But he was in there. We were around there. So. Yeah. Left to, you know, when we get into that uh, season where you know basketballs, we got some uh, uh, you know, days between basketball games, and we're still waiting for the bowl game or between bowl games. That maybe give, give us some uh, good topic, uh, you know, show prep to to dive into and, and re rank our own top twenty five Aggies. Maybe we'll. Maybe we'll spend like the bowl week releasing like five at a time or something like that. Or because obviously we can't do the twenty-five days of. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> that's a that's an off-season thing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, let's do this though. We are going to do this. We're going to take a timeout here in the full court press. Uh, when we come back, Utah Jazz getting out of their slump. Is it just because the Clippers were tired and missing a lot of their key guys? Or they started to figure a few things out and hopefully starting to turn some things around? We'll debate that coming up next. Love to hear from you as well. 435-339-0321. I'm Matt Neverett. On the final edition of This Week in the Mountain West for the 2022 season, we'll preview the conference championship game matchup between Boise State and Fresno State with their play-by-play broadcasters Bob Beeler and Paul Leffler. Plus, the announcement of regular season awards, all-conference teams, and plenty more. It's all here this week on the Mountain West Radio Network. Friday afternoon during the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Several families who need help this holiday season have been nominated by trusted individuals. Some of them need winter clothes. Others would like toys or music. 
and others simply need basic necessities. The Cash Valley Media Group is sponsoring Cares for Christmas. Visit caresforchristmas.org to see what these families need, then drop off your donations to 810 West, 200 North in Logan. Thank you for helping these deserving families, and thanks for caring this Christmas. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil are the engine oil that your vehicle loves. Go take care of your vehicle now at Valvoline Instant Oil Change at Angie's. If you can't make it today, you know you can make it any day of the week. They're open seven days a week, 695 North Main in Logan. Quick, clean, and easy how it should be when it comes to getting your oil changed at Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Uh, so the Utah Jazz in action last night, taking on the L.A. Clippers, who did not have Kawhi Leonard, did not have Norman Powell, did not have Paul George. Uh, Reggie Jackson did end up playing. He was doubtful before the game. But a lot of the key players were out for the Clippers. But um, Jazz didn't necessarily blow them away like we thought they should. I mean, they played a really good first quarter, but got very lackadaisical in the second, allowed the Clippers to get back into it, did not look good to the start of the third, but eventually kicked things into a higher gear. Will Hardy had had enough, kept his starters in there, went for a very short uh, rotation, and uh, got the win. Yeah, it definitely did feel like a game where it was just the Jazz had just better talent and the Clippers were too tired. and It's just a game that... Unless something crazy happens from the Clippers, the Jazz were always going to win. Um, there wasn't anybody on the Clippers that just went off. You know, there's no Norman Powell 30 points. I mean, there's John Wall 26 points, I guess. But he went, you know, he needed 19 shots to get there. So. And he was on a bit of a minutes restriction, so yeah. he wasn't totally opened up. So it's like there wasn't enough craziness that happened. And I mean, John Wall going for 26 points, but the Clippers shot like under 40% for the game. So there was just not enough of a Clippers team to put up a fight against the jazz. They flew in from Portland and arrived in Salt Lake city at 2 AM yesterday morning. And they had to play the jazz last night. So yeah, they were a little bit gassed. Um, and you know, credit Will Hardy and his staff for realizing that and keeping the pressure on. But, again, 17 turnovers for the Jazz uh, that lead to second chance or at least the fast break and transition points. Um, and it, that's the, the real bugaboo of this team. Is just, and it's not just like one guy or one or two guys. Yeah, it was a bad night for Sexton. But say, uh, but Colin everybody had six turnovers. Everybody was turning the ball over last night. Clarkson had three. Olenek had a couple. Marketing, Vanderbilt, Kessler, Beasley. Uh, so there were a lot of guys who turned the ball over. And I think that's what's frustrating about this team. I get it. They're young and in, uh, somewhat inexperienced, relatively inexperienced being called on to play you know, significant roles. But, um, yeah, it seems to be a continuing problem for this team. 
Yeah, and so I'm I'm not really sold that this is really going to turn things around. It's just a temporary relief, and it, it, it could be the start to a turnaround. But the Jazz need to figure out their defense for the main part. Their offense is generally done okay. Turnovers, that could be an issue where it creates defensive issues. But the Jazz need to figure out their defense. And this is what I was afraid of before the season. I said, this is going to be a decent offensive team. They're exceeding my expectations offensively, and that was probably just me, well, not expecting Larry Markkinen to score 24 points per game. I was getting on people for thinking he was going to be good offensively, and I turned out to be way wrong. <laughs> um, but you know, I thought this would be a good offensive team, but I thought they'd be bad defensively. They started out the year very good defensively but now they're playing really bad defensively in that, uh, you know, the, the stretch from like November 21st, that was the start of their losing streak when they lost to the Clippers last time they played them through November 28th, which was their most recent loss to the, to the bulls in that, in that stretch of time. So a week, the jazz had the worst defensive rating in the league. And if you stretch it all the way back to, like, the 12th of November, so that encompasses, like, the whole um, eight losses in ten games, they had the second-worst defensive rating, uh, second only to the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So this is a team that's been playing incredibly poor on defense. And I did, probably should have looked this up to see how their, what their defensive rating like was when they were winning, but I imagine it was closer to the top ten at least top half of the league. But they went from top half of the league to arguably the worst defense in the league. So if they don't figure that out defensively, we're going to keep seeing Larry Markkinen score 25 to 30 points a game. Jordan Clarkson is going to go off for 30. Colin Sexton is going to get his 20 points and, you know, some assists. When Mike Conley comes back, he'll be throwing out 12 points, nine assists a game, whatnot. And they're still going to lose because they don't play defense. They're not going to win. It's going to be a lot like what I was expecting preseason where they're good on offense, but, you know, turnstile defense, and it leads to losses. You know, 133-128 losses. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. The, last night was um, beating a team that was woefully understaffed and tired. But I don't know that it really showed me that they've turned a corner. Just be, mostly because of all the turnovers, and the fact that Will Hardy had to stick with his main guys for that much longer, that deep into a game, with an against an opponent that only had John Wall coming off the bench on a minutes restriction as really the only legitimate player on that roster, and that they just couldn't put him away. So uh, great that they got the win. Good that they could put those losses behind them a little bit. Um, now, will will Saturday night's game be any better? Uh, you play a Portland team that's struggling. They're eleven and eleven. They're not much better than the Jazz. They've they've lost eight of their last ten. Last time the Jazz and Portland Trailblazers faced off against each other, they were one and two in the West. <laughs> oh, how times have changed! Yeah, now they're both like eighth and ninth. Uh, Jazz are seventh, seventh, and the Blazers are tenth. Okay, that's close enough. 
they're in the play-in. I mean, if it, they're in that kind of territory. Yeah. Yeah, this, for me, if the Jazz are really going to turn a corner at least temporarily, they got to win like at least two of the next four, probably three of the next four, for me to really believe it. Because they're playing the Pacers, not a very good team this year. The Blazers, who, as you said, they've also been struggling. I believe they've been without Damian Lillard. Then you got the Warriors, who are, I don't know, some days they look like the defending champions, and some days they look like the team from, what, 2021 or 2020 that was really bad, the year everyone was sitting. Mm-hmm. So, and then you also got the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are going to be without Carl Anthony Towns. So those four games are all very winnable for various reasons. You got to win at least three of them. Bare minimum two of them. Three of them for me to really believe that you're turning a corner. Well, part of the X factor here, too, is when will Mike Connolly return? Uh, I, I saw some things initially that looked like he would be out two weeks. We're on the tail end of that two weeks now. Um, so it's... It's possible he could be back sometime next week, and we've seen how lost this team is at times not having him on the court. And it's been trial by fire and learning as we go with Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson, who are natural playmakers, like scoring first playmakers, rather than guys who are trying to set up their teammates. Yeah, for a... For a team whose offense is predicated on being able to create for everyone else, they don't have very many guys right now who are capable of creating for other people, or at least a leader in that. Obviously, everybody has a little bit of playmaking in them. That's part of what made this offense special early on. It's why they can be special at times anyway, is that one through five, everybody has a little bit of playmaker in them. And uh, Will Hardy has coached them to be like that. But right now, the leader, the guy who was gluing that all together and helping, you know, run that machine of everybody passes to everybody, that's been missing. And so while they can still manage it, because everyone still has a little bit of that passing magic, when you're missing the biggest chunk of it, things kind of fall apart pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, like, a good example of that was just the other night. They had, what, 31 assists on 42 field goals. They still lost the game. Last night, 24 assists on 45 field goals. A little bit different, but you did have multiple guys sharing the ball. But it's just, it's clear you don't have somebody quite to Mike Connolly's acumen with making sure people are, you know, understanding how to direct traffic a little bit better. Will Colin Sexton get there? Well, they're trying to help get him there. Uh, he had six assists last night, uh, Clarkson had five. But again, for both of those guys, those assists usually come off of them trying to create for themselves. Somehow it doesn't happen. They get bottled up, and then they kick it out to somebody else because the attention's on them trying to make a play for themselves, and then they dish, which is part of the game. That's helpful, but it's not quite the same as how Mike Connolly sets up his teammates. Yeah, if you're an elite scorer, then it works perfectly fine, and... You know, you can mesh those two things together where you can be an elite passer. Because you know, getting a ton of assists, unless you're Rajon Rondo where you're just dumping the ball off to a guy who shoots and get assists that way. You know, when Mike Conley is getting assists, he's manipulating the defense. Because obviously the key to getting a good shot is breaking down the defense. Because the defense is they're, they're ready for you, they have a system, they're trying to stop you. 
but you break down the defense and then you find the opening. Great scores break down the defense and find the opening to score for themselves, or if the option, um, you know, and I guess breaking down the defense generally you can sometimes have multiple options because you know if you break down the defense it usually means you've beaten one defender, and suddenly you're trying to play five on four at that point, which means something is open. And usually it comes down to pass or shoot. Great scores might default to shooting because that's what they're good at. But if the defense just closes way down on shooting for them, then they pass it. And that's where you have some of the, you know, the James Hardens. And that's also how Giannis can get maybe close to a triple-double. You know, guys who aren't necessarily great passers can get a lot of assists because defense shuts down scoring, but they leave somebody wide open right. elsewhere. And so, and that's an important part of the game. Yeah, and, and it works. It, it definitely works. Um, but for Conley... And for some of these pass-first point guards, the John Stocktons, Chris Pauls, and, and Conley falls into that mold, obviously not the same as some of the legendary guys. But, you know, his archetype is he breaks down the defense, and he's a good enough scorer that he still can. You know, he has that floater. Uh, that's in his bag, and he uses it a lot. Um, it's made him a good player. But he also manipulates the defense in a way that will still open up the pass. Where sometimes scorers don't really do the same things to open up the pass. They're pushing scoring. Conley will focus on passing, and so he'll manipulate the defense in a way that allows him to pass it. And that's been incredibly important for the Jazz. It's not there. Colin Sexton can't do that. Jordan Clarkson can't do that. And so they're missing that component where clearly it was important to this offense to have that kind of guy to set other people up and get them open shots. Because there aren't too many guys in this team that can get their own open shot. Like, again, Clarkson is the closest that it comes to getting an open shot. Larry Markkinen isn't great at creating his own open shot. So having a guy that creates open shots for other people is incredibly important, and nobody on this team did it better than Mike Conley. Yeah, no, very true. Very, very true. Uh, but that's you know that's the, the presence that they miss from him on the offensive side, but that... The, the warts on this team still need to be worked out on the defensive side. And Mike Connolly does help a little bit on that initial point of the of attack, but he's the smallest guy on the court. So the, the defensive issues with this team aren't necessarily solved by getting Mike Connolly back by any means. Yeah, I do wonder because advanced you know, analytics have liked Connolly on defense for the last few years. Maybe this is why I'm kind of of the same opinion of you where it's like there is some value with the point of attack and being a veteran leader and being there for the defense. But it felt like there was just really good team defense. Uh, Markkinen and Olenek were playing over their heads defensively, I think, early on where they were just better than they had any right to be. And then Vanderbilt was playing like a defensive player of the year candidate. And it seems like maybe they were just playing over their heads and now they're not. Maybe that's just what it is. Uh, so anyway, the uh, Utah Jazz though they do pick up the win, one twenty-five to one twelve last night against the Clippers. The night off tonight, they do have the Portland Trailblazers in town tomorrow. And you know, part of this too is that the Jazz now actually have a pretty long streak of games at home. Like they've been on the road a lot. They've had back-to-backs a lot. I mean, they've had a pretty brutal stretch uh, of games, and it starts to settle down a little bit for them. Can they take advantage? That's a real big question. Uh, as they try to pick up a few wins in a row here and get back on track. 
but if you want to weigh in on that, love to hear from you, 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. For over 20 years, Ages Home Health and Hospice has been providing health care to Cash, Box Elder, and Rich Counties. Whatever or wherever your health care needs, Ages' goal is to meet those needs. Ages Home Health and Hospice core values are character, experience, and trust. Ages, A-E-G-I-S, striving to provide the health care services you need. Ages Home Health and Hospice. Call 723-9000 or find them at myages.com. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient as well as the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options and the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Jason Walker. Full Court Press text line is open, 435-339-0321. I have to find out what is making Jason laugh. But before I do that, just a quick update on high school hoops. Uh, Ridgeline faced Desert Hills earlier this afternoon, and it looks like Ridgeline came out on top, 64-62. to Riverhawks with the victory, and uh, Sorensen. Uh, led the uh, the Ridgeline Riverhawks with 27 points. So nice performance uh, there. So um, congratulations to uh, to Ridgeline. There you go. Uh, so as far as what's making me laugh, uh, I know Coach Ryan Visser, so we used the our Regional 11 Coach of the Year. Yes. I was the only one who didn't vote for him, and uh, he uh, – we know he listens to the show because one time he, he DM'd us because we were not sure whether or not he had you know college guys on his team, which he clearly does. Multiple players on his team have college offers, and I think some of them have committed by now. Um, but he just DM'd me a, a GIF of someone looking a little incredulous, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I just... potentially over my uh, – I don't know if maybe he sent one to you too. But, I just saw it, yes. Yeah, but it's just uh, – <laughs> clearly, and there's multiple reasons why I could have sent one, probably for Coach of the Year and also for – um, you know, well, I know Carson Olson. He was a, yeah, obviously. Uh, granted, I was praise praiseworthy of Carson Olson, but uh, I don't think I had him on my 
I don't think I've, I didn't vote for him for defensive player of the year. I think that's what it was. I had somebody else, even though Olsen obviously was voted by us. <laughs> he got the, so, he got the vote. Like I said, there's, there's multiple reasons why he could have sent that to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, thanks for listening coach. I hope it's in good fun. I, I don't mean anything. I said, I had my reasons for voting. They were probably wrong. I admitted my bias. Congrats, Coach. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good. Yeah, if you missed it, Cash Valley Media Group, all Region 11 football team is out, along with some individual honors for overall MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Uh, and Coach of the Year, that was the you know the, the easiest. Uh, everybody voted for the same guy except for one. Jason Walker, but for everybody else, uh, a lot of really good competition. No real runaway favorites. So, which I think illustrates it was a really competitive season for Region Eleven football. So, you want to go check it out? It's on CashValleyDaily.com, published this morning, uh, along with who's on the first team, second team, and honorable mentions. Um, quickly, uh, Jason, World Cup. Pool play finishing today, is that correct? The last of pool play concluding today with who gets to advance and who's going home. And some surprising teams advancing and some surprising teams going home. Yeah, I was surprised because I saw Germany. I mean, was it just yesterday where I was saying they could probably be one of the favorites? Granted, I'd forgotten that Germany uh, didn't make the knockout round in the last World Cup. They missed it in 2018, um, and they're going to miss it again. They lost their third in their group. Um, Japan, um, are they? They beat Spain two to one, and their second goal. You should see a replay of it because it was nuts. Um, where the ball almost went out of bounds on the baseline. Honestly, from the replay, I thought it did go out of bounds. But I saw one still shot that maybe it didn't. Um, and honestly, that goal by Japan sent Germany home. Because if they hadn't have scored that, Germany would advance with Spain out of Group E. So that's a bit of a surprise where Germany's generally one of the world powers in soccer and they're not advancing. And Japan, who's often a bit of an underdog, although I believe they upset the U.S. women's national team a few years back in the World Cup. Or in, in some term, I can't remember if it was the World Cup or not. Um, they're they're going to the knockout stage. Yeah, really surprising there. I mean, uh, but England got no, didn't or not England. I just saw something about England, but Germany uh, did not advance last time uh, in the World Cup. So England, uh, Germany. Oh, Germany. Yes, England made like the semifinals last yeah. year, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So some surprising finishes. Uh, with uh, setting the stage uh, for who advances and uh, who's who's eliminated. So uh, the Team USA, they play to, uh, let's see Saturday morning, I believe, against Netherlands. Um, so you know, some get back into uh, uh, World Cup play with what's going on because it's now pretty much it's all set. I believe, from uh, all teams that are advancing and those who will not for the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, still some exciting teams still in it, some surprising teams uh, maybe to root for, some underdogs. You know, Croatia, 
could be a fun underdog team. Morocco. Yeah, Morocco winning there. Granted, not a super difficult group. Morocco, Croatia, Belgium, Canada. I think Belgium was the top-rated team in that. In that, I think Croatia and Belgium were the top two-rated teams there, but still not a super elite group. Um, but yeah, Morocco and Croatia coming out of there. Croatia, I believe, made the World Cup final last time. I think it was them. I think Croatia and Belgium almost could have been the World Cup final last year, but ended up being, I think, France and Croatia. So some underdog stories. All right, so we'll we'll update you. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, more hey, to get to I'm next Dan hour. Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Everybody knows the NFL is a passing league. The league has altered its rules to benefit the passing game, the quarterback and the receivers. And it's created big opportunities for receivers to make some runs at historical records. It was back in 2015 when the Lions Hall of Famer Calvin Johnson set the single-season receiving mark at 1,964 yards. And that was in just 16 games. For a while, it looked like that record would stand. But with everything the NFL has done to promote throwing and the addition of an extra regular season game, that record is in jeopardy. Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, and Stephon Diggs currently over 1,100 receiving yards, and Hill and Jefferson have already surpassed 1,200. The receivers will still have six games left to make it run at Johnson's record. And with the receivers continuing to evolve, the NFL favoring the pass, and the league potentially adding an 18th game down the road, it appears to be only a matter of time until multiple receiving records are rewritten. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is above the noise.